Hey guys, welcome to Electronic Dance Money, your number one business resource for making money as electronic musicians and producers. All right. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Electronic Dance Money. I'm your host, Christian Casido, and we are here with Matthew Evil. We've got another great guest. He goes by Avian Invasion, and we're going to be diving into a little bit of Patreon stuff, which this is, believe it or not, this has been an episode that I've been wanting to, I've been like searching for two years now about for a guest specifically for Patreon. So I am so thankful to Darren Bruce at uh, the DJ Sessions who yeah. referred you to me. And he's like, oh yeah, check out Matthew. He uh, he does streaming stuff and he also does Patreon. I was like, ooh, Patreon. I immediately went to your Patreon. I was like, he's got patrons. This is exactly what I need. So Matthew, uh, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. Uh, I am hanging in there. Um Thankfully, uh, in this whole, you know, pandemic thing, um, I, I've already been working in a windowless padded room for, for years now, so not much has changed. Uh, hopefully you're holding together as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, the nice thing is like my, my boring day job was mostly working from home to begin with. So it was a very easy transition to where they were like, oh yeah, you're going to be working from home permanently. I was like, all right. Yeah. That's no issue for me. Twist um, my arm. Why don't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh no, I don't, I don't get to, you know, spend gas money now every, yeah. every few days or whatever and travel and all that bullshit. But <laughs> anyways, uh, let's dive into kind of our discussion here. First of all, why don't you introduce yourself and your history in electronic music? Cause You've got a pretty unique one, um, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners will be happy to hear it. So go ahead, take the floor. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are probably thinking, "Who?" Um, <laughs> but like, I've I've only been I've only been involved in uh, electronic music for about three years now. Actually, um, I uh, uh, the I, I I took on the mantle of Avian Invasion. Uh, Largely because I, I wanted to shift genres. I've been touring as a piano rocker since like 2005. So, um, you know, back when I was working the, the Nashville music scene, I was just, you know, going around as Matthew Ebel. And if you look up Matthew Ebel, you can find a pretty broad discography available. Uh, but I was getting a little burned out in that scene and something needed to change. And <laughs> as is usually the case in my life, the change. Uh, is directed by the robots. Uh, I wanted to just start making electronic music because what got me into music in the first place, uh, well, sorry, what, what got me into music as a career in the first place was uh, MIDI stuff. Uh, when I was uh, in junior high, my choir teacher brought in this little box. It was like, like it, there was a tradition, like every day after we did a concert, we would basically get the day off. We could, you know, just fuck around in class for, for the, the hour of choir. And one day after one of the concerts we did, he brought in this little box. He had a guitar that had a pitch to MIDI converter on it. And he was sitting there, you know, showing us like you can play the piano or the gunshot or the helicopter, all those general MIDI sounds and whatnot. 
And all the other kids are like, yeah, that's kind of neat. And I'm sitting there with my jaw on the floor like, I want this. He let me take it home with me. I asked him, like, can I borrow this? Because we just got a, a, a digital keyboard at home. And he's just like, sure. Like, what kind of junior high teacher lets one of his asshole students just borrow what was a $300 piece of hardware? It was an old, like, boss Dr. Synth. So it was nothing more than a general MIDI box, but, like, it was a $300 piece of hardware. He's like, yeah, just bring it back in, like, a few days. Like, as soon as I was playing drums on my piano, like, this, I want this. Now, it took me another, like, 15 years or so to come around to... This I should have taken that and immediately gotten into electronic music instead of trying to simulate rock music electronically, which was kind of a mistake, even though it led to some really good albums, in my opinion. But um, a very long story short, too late, uh, I, 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 I moved to Seattle, uh, had to you know say goodbye to my drummer who I'd been touring with for a while and realized I basically needed to start over. And rather than forming a new band, I wanted to... I needed a major change in my life to go with the move. But this is where we get back to the robots. I can't change genres and still release it as Matthew Ebel. Because if you go and look, if, if you want progressive house music and you go look for Matthew Ebel, something like Pandora or Spotify is going to recommend other stuff from Matthew Ebel. So, you know, you're going to find, uh, uh, you know, songs like Everybody Needs a Ninja and stuff like that popping up in your playlist and, uh, uh, you know, be like, what the fuck is this shit? So I had to come up with a new name and an entirely new act, basically. That is, I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. I've never thought about that, but that makes complete sense. Like, I, I've got a buddy who's doing a genre change right now where he was making more i mean originally he was making some epic trance stuff when that was big in like 2011 2012 that was big um, in the 90s motherfucker no i mean like the big <laughs> big epic like electro-y trance yeah, stuff yeah. like um tritonal's piercing the quiet album like right. really just hard aggressive um really gritty baseline trance stuff uh he used to make that and then he started to switch more over to the progressive big room stuff and then started to shift into some harder trap stuff. But now he's got a new alias. He's doing all dubstep stuff. Uh, but it makes I'm glad he didn't stick with his old name because I never thought that. Yeah, if you stick with the name, do a completely different genre change. One, all of your original fans are probably going to be like, what the fuck is this? Uh, but two, it's yeah, like radio stations will recommend completely different stuff from what your either your new genre is or what your old genre was. Yeah, it's not uh, like it's not like the the eighties and nineties where uh, a meat based person is picking the the playlists. Like the robots yeah. are picking the playlist at this point, and you can't send out a press release saying don't play this old stuff from this artist anymore. They're doing this now, you know. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. How'd you come up with the idea of Avian Invasion? Because it's fuck your branding is so on point. If no, <laughs> if fuck I my mean, branding. If you if, for the listeners, just go to avianinvasion.com. Check out his website. I was actually complimenting you on how well designed your website is. I have an entire episode on why producers should have websites and kind of ideas on how to design those. Go check out Matthew's website because it is so well designed it's set up properly it's got all the all the right calls to action and you're kind of directing all the branding and 
It's just, it, it is so well designed. And your character is fucking dope. The <laughs> mask that you have and kind of your outfit is really badass. It actually reminds me of um, uh, uh, Falco from, uh, yes. is that kind from, of what from you're From Star going? Fox? Yes. Yeah, is that no. kind of. So uh, I've been, I've been um, involved in, like, like if, if anybody's, you know, ever heard any of my old Matthew Ebel stuff, I've been involved in the sort of the, the, the professional geek scene uh, for the, the better portion of my career. So uh, I've played science fiction conventions, furry conventions, steampunk conventions, gaming conventions, that kind of stuff. And that's, that's, that's my people, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a consummate nerd, but I'm not like, I don't play D and D and I'm not huge into video games. I just really like that imaginative speculative fiction stuff. So the, the origin of bird one, um, uh, of, of avian invasion is somewhat autobiographical. Uh, the story goes that uh, avian invasion uh, used to be just a man, a very old one, and he became bitter and jaded and calloused over time, and parts of him just started shutting down. And he was rescued by the birds, who rebuilt him, filled him with hope, and sent him back into the universe to discover that hope and that beauty in other people. And I went with birds largely because... That's, I've been fascinated with birds since I was a, a wee babe. You know, I just, I, I absolutely, specifically osprey, uh, largely because, you know, they, they spend their uh, winters in Cancun. They eat nothing but sushi. Uh, <laughs> they got a cool hairdo, you know, like I just, it, and I was surrounded by them when uh, I used to go fishing with my dad, you know, up in Eastern Washington. So like, I've, I've always had an affinity for birds and it just, it just seemed to work. Um, since this is like a music business show, the other part of it was uh, I needed something that would involve some kind of a mask or something like that, you know, and that's nothing new, like, you know, Daft Punk, Dead Mouse, Marshmallow, you know, all these people have been doing that. Black Tiger, Sex Machine, you know, they've all been uh, utilizing that for stage effects. But the difference is, um, you know, unlike Dead Mouse and Daft Punk, um, you know, a lot of those people are still in their 20s. I'm not, and I'm not going to be in my 20s anymore. And a mask makes me ageless. If you've ever seen Daft Punk take the helmets off, they're old dudes, you know, like they've been at this a while. So I think, I think they're in their 50s now. Uh, late 50s, I think. Like yeah. they've, been, they've been working the scene for so long, but they are ageless because of the, the masks they wear. And part of the reason I wanted to get into Avian Invasion, you know, into dance music was to make it more about the music and less about the performer, you know. And that's another way to sort of add a layer of separation there. Yeah, that's a great, you know, I never, again, you're bringing up a lot of points that I've never actually thought about. <laughs> so this is great. This is off to an awesome start. But the branding, too, is such a huge part of it. You can easily brand with something like a mask and yours is unique. And the fact that you, okay, everyone listening here. Now, you don't necessarily need to come up with a character for whatever you want to do as an artist. but Notice how, like, take note how Matthew is, he has a story for who he is as an artist, which is so unique and you, it, it creates this drive and something that you can attach to and apply to your music. It gives your music purpose. It gives you as an artist purpose. Um, and that is, I mean, that's something that's so damn rare that you just 
you don't really find that. You don't find people uh, giving their art purpose so much anymore. They're kind of just doing things because they might feel like they need to do them, but also because they want to, but there's still not, there's not life behind the art um, that they might want. Well, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and say that like a lot of the times that I'm, when I'm producing tracks, uh, I'm just like, I'm making thumping noises and seeing what sounds good. Like, it's not like yeah. I'm always going into something with some kind of a, a, a holy quest. But yes. at the same time, it's sort of like, you know, if you're running a business, you should have a mission statement, you know, so that exactly. you, you don't lose that grounding. Um, uh, and an important aspect of developing a character uh, with Avian Invasion is it there is that separation between the artist and the product. And if you're not looking at music as a product, just like a cup of coffee at Starbucks, um, then it's never going to be a successful business. So being able to draw that line between who Matthew Ebel is and uh, the Bird One character, the Avian Invasion universe, you know, um, yeah. So like, like it, 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 it's it's part utility and part uh, I get to be something more than myself when I when I put this on. When I was touring as Matthew Ebel, I dabbled in that a little as like Captain Matthew Ebel, but you know, I it was not, yeah. I needed something Not nearly a bit, to this extent. Needed something a little bit more, uh, something more imaginative as well. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. you said mission statement because I guess that that's my point. You yeah. know, it, it is as producers sometimes going most probably ninety percent of the time just going into the studio is just fucking around with sounds and yeah. finding what sounds good. There's not necessarily a you know you don't have this yeah like you said you don't have this magical quest that you're trying to go through yeah. Um, but having something that is brandable or within your brand that can still, you know, that helps you helps guide you and make specific decisions that you may want to make for that brand uh, that you may otherwise not necessarily have or know, because, you know, if you don't have a mission statement, if you don't have goals, then you're kind of just aimlessly wandering and hoping things happen. You and I need to start um, some kind of a, 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 a seminar or something, because literally when I when I go to conventions and whatnot, I I usually lead a three part panel on how to turn your art into a business, and the first thing in there is all about branding. Yes. Um, Zay Frank uh, was a, a blogger podcaster, you know, back in the day, um, said that your brand is the emotional aftertaste that you leave mm. behind, and that's the that's the phrase that sticks with me. You're like it, it's everything. It's your logo. It's your business card. It's the fonts you choose. It's, it's the, your name. The, yeah. Yeah. It's the clothing you wear. It's not just the the logo that you put, you know, on your albums. It is all of this stuff uh, coalescing into an emotional aftertaste that you leave behind, and it's the product of everything you do. If you have a lock on, uh, or at the very least, like a a, a somewhat firm grasp on what your brand is, it's going to make it a whole lot easier for you to be effective as an artist. Um going forward because it'll it'll inform what events you go to what what colors and fonts you use on your your printed materials you know your business cards and your posters and stuff like it like if you have that uh, at least somewhat together it doesn't have to be you know focus grouped and locked down to the point where you know, like disney is you know <laughs> yeah you can you know it takes time it's not this isn't something especially with brands coming up with a brand it's not like you can just you know, come up with a name and a color scheme and that's it. Yeah. You know, it takes 
a while, my Envious Audio brand for my mixing and mastering business took a solid probably a year or two of working five to seven days a week, at least probably like 20 to 30 hours a week working on establishing my business, working. I mean, the website that I have now is something is a new version of my website. It's like the third or fourth rendition of my rendition of my website in the past two years. And I just launched it last year and it's like updating my brand. And it's I've finally gotten to a place where I'm like, this is the style I'm going for. This is the branding that I want. And so but that took me about a year and a half, almost two years, about two years or so to figure that out, to like be like, I've got it. This is the idea I'm going with. I'm sure it was the same for you. No, it took me a lot longer than two. (laughs) Yeah, it it takes a long time. But if you go to avianinvasion.com, which for everyone, anyone listening, I'll have show notes, enviousaudio.com slash episode 49, where you'll be able to go check out all the links there. And I'll have a link to avianinvasion.com. But if you go there, you get the sense of the the emotional feeling. You get the style. You know what to expect. And it's not like you're going to hit play on your on your Spotify playlist player and be surprised by anything. You're going to know cool. what you're getting into. And it's everything, the logo, the font, like you said, the coloring, everything is so unique. And the art style is it's it's just, it all fits it. You you know, it fits. And this so is- I'm. This is the first time any business-oriented person has validated all this fucking effort that I've gone through. So thank you for that. <laughs> I of appreciate course. it. And, well, and there's a reason why I'm saying this, and it's not because I want to boost your ego, but because my listeners, if you're if you're struggling to figure this out, because all of you guys, if you want to be, you know, produce full-time producers and DJs, and you don't want to go the route of like my business of doing mixing and mastering. Then go check out Avian Invasion because that is kind of like that's the example I'm probably going to be giving people now is like this is a really well designed website that perfectly portrays who you are and you've got the stuff you've got people pointed to the right direction of where you want to take them um, depending on who they are. And so this is a good transition into talking about your Patreon, which is the primary reason why I wanted to uh, bring you on. So. Why don't you kind of dive into how did you come up with the idea of starting your Patreon? Why did you go that route? And what did that whole process look like getting that started and getting your first patrons? Well, actually, I started doing Patreon five years before Patreon started doing Patreon. Um, I am not going to lie to you and say I invented the concept of the premium fan club. Because, like, you know, Rundgren had been doing that. They Might Be Giants had been doing that sort of shit for, you know, years. Like, before the internet. Um, I actually got the idea, uh, about the time uh, Hurricane Katrina hit and uh, gas prices shot up to $4 a gallon, which these days is just sort of like, oh, it must be summer travel season. And back then, it was like, a month ago, it was a buck fifteen a gallon, and we thought that was high. Now it's four dollars a gallon. I'm an indie artist. I can't fucking tour anymore. You know, like you're barely. It was you were barely scraping by as an indie artist. You know, doing the road trip and thing when gas when when the gallons moved faster than the dollars back in the nineties. Um, uh, and nowadays it, it like you know it's very difficult to make those ends meet. Uh. And wages certainly didn't, haven't even caught up now, let alone like that quickly then. So I had to figure out 
what can I do to stay relevant and stay in front of my fans? Uh, a friend of mine at the time named Jeff Smith had a had set up a thing where uh, called Ringtone Feeder, which may still exist, and um, it was a plugin running on top of a WordPress site that created a podcast that uh, also had like a, it was password protected and it was uh, subscription based, and he would send you ringtones. Remember. If those of you that are old enough, remember when you paid for ringtones? Yeah, I do. So uh, on my when, razor, when you yeah, <laughs> like when you would six razor back in back <laughs> in the early two thousands when like you would spend when you would bitch about ninety nine cents for a song on yep. iTunes, but you would spend two dollars on the fifteen second clip of that song to make it into a ringtone. No shit, it was a I didn't weird even think time. About that. <laughs> it was a very bizarre time. Um, but yeah, he had he had set up a service, and I don't know where he got the idea from. But uh, that's that's what inspired me to set up MatthewEbel.net. My main website was, of course, MatthewEbel.com. But um, I set up uh, the same thing, you know, WordPress site with uh, a plugin called A Member, and I set up like uh, various tiers, like a backstage pass, a VIP pass, and then an entourage pass, and that got you various levels of things. And I put that out to my fans. Um, saying like, hey, I'm going to release, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to do all these things for you based on these various tiers. Uh, please sign up. And I was surprised to find that a, a lot of them did. Um, cut to, you know, what, what was it? 2015 or 2012 or something? Like when did Patreon actually start? So, Somewhere around there. It yeah. had to have been like between 2012 and 2014. Yeah. So I did, I did a few... Um, uh, one one or two other uh, versions of the same thing. Like after one thing, I realized very quickly is rolling your own. Uh, you become tech support a lot more than you really want to, especially if you're taking payments. Like now, you're running into legal regulations for your business. Even if you're just hosting something like Amazon Pay and PayPal and whatnot, you still have now, especially with. Uh, laws the EU seems to pass just like at, just for no other reason than to make us click OK on websites. Um, the like it, it's it's much more of a pain in the ass, and it's worth the like what is it ten percent or whatever for me to have somebody else be the service like Patreon. Um, <clears throat> have them deal with the bullshit admin back end stuff, right? Exactly, and, and deal with the innovation saves you stuff. probably so much time and yeah. hassle. Now, that does mean I'm beholden to their sometimes boneheaded decisions, but, you know, that's, again, like, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. What I say when I, when I do sessions at conventions, uh, when I'm talking to artists, is that there is no currency more valuable than time. Yes. Your time spent in front of that, uh, that keyboard or that, you know, art desk or, you know, that, the, that sculpting material or whatever, like, that is, you can find ten dollars sitting on the sidewalk you cannot find 10 minutes lying yes. around on the sidewalk and this is one of the big points that i bring up in one of my episodes where i talked about automation and uh saving time as producers like if you and especially if you're running a business and you're making money with that business if you want to immediately double your income and double your wage find out how to do what you normally do in half the amount of time and that is what automation does that's how you go from making $50,000 a year to $100,000 a year. You know, you might need to spend 50 to 100 hours initially to get everything set up, learn the systems, 
But then if you only have to spend 100 hours to then double your income, that pays for itself almost instantly. If you're enough of a nerd that you can learn to program in Python, uh, you the world is your fucking oyster. I can tell you that. Yes. So, like... It's or like, or even even with Apple scripts like my yeah, so yeah. my business coach he has I'll, I'll give him a little plug here he started a business last year I think it was last year called Bounce Butler and um he's he designed this program in Apple scripts like over ten years ago and the entire point of the program is to uh he basically has this script talk to his DAW. And it automatically exports all of these. He's a mastering engineer, so he can set it to he'll work on all these projects and then he'll check all these projects and it automatically exports everything for him. And then it'll text him and say, hey, all these are done exporting and it'll upload them to Dropbox for him. Oh, that's great. So he no longer has to sit there and export each one one at a time, wait for it to export. And then it saves him. I mean, probably hundreds of hours, if not thousands of hours every single year. And now it's a service you can go get for like $10 a month. And there's so many other, you know, mixing and mastering engineers where it's, and producers are it's saving them insane amounts of time with this pretty simple script. That do you buy you know, Bounce Butler? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, if anyone's listening that's interested in that, again, I'll have that in the show notes. But uh, yeah, go on, man. Yeah, so um, it's one of the one of the things uh, that is I've always tried to live by is you know have the robots do the work for you wherever yeah. possible, uh, and be a person when you're interacting with your fans. You know, yes. like you can't do not let the robots handle your fan interaction because I've seen people do that and it goes badly. Uh, but having Patreon handle the the back end of the subscription thing uh, was. Like I, I was, I was happy to jump from rolling my own to that. Now that there was a viable service, uh, because people needed to, there needed to be something that people trusted enough to hand their credit card data over to, you know, and that's a that's a big part of it. So once Patreon actually became uh, ubiquitous, and there's a few others now uh, like it that people actually do trust. Um, but yeah, once once you once Patreon became a trustworthy source that people would would basically hand their wallet to uh, willingly, I I was happy to to jump on board with that. Um, but the process for setting up, you know, uh, MatthewEbel.net is identical to the process for setting up a successful Patreon. Uh, Patreon. So uh, let's I guess let's start at the beginning of that. Uh, first of all, you have to understand that. Uh, not all of your fans are going to go for Patreon. Uh, they are, it, it's sort of like the, if you're familiar with the concept of the sales funnel, which I am not a salesperson. I don't have a marketing background. I have friends that have marketing careers and marketing experience that they have been kind enough to slice off little shards of their wisdom and sprinkle it on me. Like, you know, truffle on a salad, um, to, to get all fancy. Uh, so the, like if you can get the, 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 the broadest, widest mouth of the sales funnel is the easiest thing for your, your customers, your fans to get involved with. Usually that's, uh, signing up for your email list or following you on Spotify or, or Instagram or, or, you know, TikTok or whatever. Um, and then as you go for more and more, uh, um, barrier to entry, you know, spending money on a subscription or a track or something like that, buying a concert ticket, buying a shirt. 
fewer and fewer of those people will get to it. And the very bottom of that is sign up to pay me money every goddamn month. Like that is the absolute bottom of the sales funnel right there. So that means if you have a thousand fans on your, your mailing list, maybe one or two of them are going to sign up for Patreon. So first, first and foremost, be realistic about what to expect. Do not overexert yourself expecting that I have, I have a thousand people on my mailing list. So that means, you know, 700 of them are going to be spending five bucks a month on me now. <laughs> no, no, not even, can- not even close. Great conversion rates for mailing lists is like one percent, two percent. Yeah, yeah. It's it is a fraction of what you have. Yeah, but uh, if you're doing things right, that email list is continuously growing. Yeah. Now, there, I will say one thing that the um, uh, if you if you have a relatively small fan base, those people are going to be pretty hardcore. So your numbers, yeah, your your ratio may be higher. But do not expect that to be representative of what happens as you grow more fans. Like you're going to get, you know, probably thousands of people listening to your music and most of them you will never interact with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they'll you'll get that fraction of a penny from Spotify because of those people anyway. Yeah. Well, and if, the, if you have that small fan base to right now, then hopefully they're hardcore and they're super fans. If they're yeah. not, you want to turn them into super fans. Yeah. If you can turn those people into super fans, if you can get them to convert and sign up on your Patreon or wherever you're trying to collect money from them, try to engage with them and and communicate with them and give them the best value and service possible. Because that's what's going to turn them into super fans. And those are the people that will be talking about you all over the internet, in person with friends, sharing your stuff. They're going to be spreading that message for you, getting you to get more people to sign up. And um, yeah, this is this is one of the reasons that I went with the term avian invasion, not just because it's a bird pun and, you know, it sounds cool. But uh, the 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 fans are the invasion. Yes, uh, you know it is not. It is not all me. It is. It is what they are doing that matters. So more, that's... more branding too. That is straight up more. <laughs> you know, it's creating a brand with your. You're creating a group. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, a personalized and private group uh, with your fans. They're a part of something bigger that not everyone else is a part of, which gives them social currency. I've talked about social currency so fucking much on this show. Um, but yeah, it's. I love that. You're so, yeah, the brand is so focused and streamlined <laughs> and it's fucking beautiful. If only the music were any good. All right. So, um, so yeah, what, so if you, if you decide to actually go with Patreon, um, uh, you, you need to start off by, by looking at their two models. Uh, Patreon is, uh, unique in that they give you two options. Uh, you can have your people be charged on a per thing basis or on a regular like monthly subscription. And initially I had run with the per thing basis, meaning uh, they were only charged when I released a track or a video or, you know, something that I considered a paid thing. I'm doing air quotes. Like people are going to be able to see this, Um, but they can hear the tone. Yeah. So uh, I, I, initially thought that was a good idea because it meant that if I, you know, if I got the flu, I couldn't produce anything for a given month. My people weren't charged. Uh, don't do that. It's, uh, it has become abundantly clear that Patreon doesn't give a shit about the per thing side of things because I looked at all of their innovations and it, it, they're, they're only doing 
cool and, and, and interesting developments for the per month subscriptions, uh, like merch. That was a huge thing. They're like, okay, I'm done with this per month bullshit or per thing bullshit. Uh, because if like Patreon handles merch now, uh, like print on demand, sending it out only to people who have been subscribed at certain tiers for the last three months. I'm like, they just do it automatically. Like this is a godsend saving me time. I don't have to spend, I used to have to, you know, I, I did a goodie bag once a year and I'll, I'll get to that, uh, later, but I, I did a goodie bag for my VIP, you know, uh, uh, pass holders and my entourage pass holders. Um, once a year, which basically meant I spent a full week of my year, uh, getting shirts made, ordering mailing supplies, sitting on the floor of my living room, surrounded by mugs, shot glasses, you know, t-shirts, hoodies, you know, whatever, all these, these artifacts that I would send out once a year. And like that, that's a full week of time out of only, you know, 52 out of a year. So, uh, the fact that, that Patreon will handle that automatically is rather nice. Now, um, I also have come to understand a, a bit of a change in philosophy. I used to look at the, um, I used to look at the, the, uh, the subscription thing as a premium fan club, you know, not to look at this as like every fan is going to go here, but I need to make this the VIP thing. Uh, Ariel Hyatt of, uh, uh, cyber PR over in New York, uh, told me, uh, well, told a, a class of hers uh, a story about Prince, the artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as Prince. Uh, and something that he would do is whenever he would play a show, he would rent a club next to the venue. They would, they would just buy out a, a nightclub for the night, which, you know, depending on the club is not that expensive. I've done that, you know, for my own shows. Uh, but they would charge like $1,000 a head or something like that after the show to go hang out at the after party with Prince. So Prince would be making, you know, like, like, and, and like the, the venues and the managers and all that kind of stuff would, would make a, a lot of money on doing a sold out show at whatever arena he was playing. And then he would make nearly that much just to hang out with people drinking after the show. Because like, you know, if you like, you, if, if you've got a club that fits, you know, like a thousand people, well, that can be a million dollars gross, you know, like, and you get to say, I, I spent $1,000 and I got to hang out in a nightclub with Prince. And keep in mind, he just played a arena probably with 50,000 people. Right, so yeah. So you're now a fraction. You're, again, yeah. talk about social currency. You are now a fraction <clears throat> of that group, a very small group that gets to hang out with Prince. Yeah. It, sell, it sells itself. Yeah, so that, that's the, 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 that was the impetus for the sort of like premium fan club. Try and make your experience. Now, granted, like tone it down a little. You're not Prince. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can walk around like you're bigger than Prince, but you, you, know, you don't. Yeah, no. Um, uh, but I initially set things up uh, assuming that the, the thing was going to be a, a premium fan club. But uh, the philosophy has changed over time because the concept of the microtransaction is now ubiquitous. You know, fans expect to be able to support somebody on Patreon for like a dollar a month or, you know, the same thing on, you know, like Twitch subscribing, that kind of thing, like, uh, uh, one or two bucks, uh, uh, even though the transactional fees, like, you know, basically you're getting 70 cents out of that dollar. Uh, I would rather have 70 cents times, you know, like a hundred more fans 
then have my bottom tier be $5 and not have those people at all. So, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, look at it. I, I look at it with two, two different tiers, the premium fan club and then the microtransaction. I just want to support you subscription. And there is a line between those two, but it's, they're, they're still part of the same, they're still supporting the same cause, the same art, you know? So like, uh, uh, I'll get into that uh, later, but, um, what this boils down to is how you start out with this. You need to have a menu of things that you can offer and not just offer whenever offer on a regular basis. Consistency is yeah. key. Content is king. And if you're not putting out consistent content, especially when people are paying for that, yeah. they have expectations in place. And yeah. if those expectations are failed and they're not met, that's how you burn bridges and that's how you lose fans. I mean, it's, mm. you could probably lose a fan a lot faster than you can gain one. One of the reasons that I wanted to, to like, aside from touring becoming too expensive, one of the reasons that I wanted to do a subscription thing at all is that every time I have a new album or a new shirt or a concert or something like that, I have to go into full-on marketing mode to people who have already bought my products. I have to resell to them. I have to convince them to open their wallet again. With a subscription-based model like Patreon, you have to convince them, and it's, it's a higher bar, it's a, it's, a, it's a bigger ask to say, give me money every month, but you have to convince them of that once, and then it's way easier just to keep them happy. Yes. Mm -hmm. And as long it's as it's all low hanging fruit. Right. At that point, like as long the, the what what the job then is to make them not close their wallet. And that's way easier than having to convince them again and again and again to open their wallet to you. So uh uh, you know, I I have some remarkably, remarkably patient fans. They are they have put up with so much shit since two thousand eight. <laughs> so back to, back to figuring out what you can deliver on a regular basis. When I started MatthewEvil.net, I promised uh, two new songs a month, which in, on its face, like that alone, think about that. That means every two weeks you are conceiving of a song, writing it, recording it, engineering and mastering it, and distributing it every two weeks without fail. If you're on tour, you get the flu. If you just get writer's block, Tough shit. Every two weeks, you got to turn a new song around that is worth money. It's not just like I okay. I'm I'm. It's not like a NaNoWriMo thing where I'm just going to crank something out no matter how good it is. It has to be retail ready every two weeks. That was the that was that was item one in my menu. On top of that, uh, you know, monthly webcasts uh, uh with the with the fans, uh. I did uh, VIP parties at any of the shows I did, you know, the, the Prince thing. So, like, if I went to a convention, I did a room party, you know. Uh, once a year, I held an annual beer bash at my my house, my studio, because I, I make beer. You know, me and my fiancé, we, we make beer. So, we're, you know, we're super into beer culture and we're into coffee culture. So, uh, that, that works. Um, uh, once a year, I would send out goodie bags to my VIP and entourage fans. So, uh, uh, there was a lot of stuff I was promising. It did not take me long to burn the fuck out. Like I was, it was killing me. And so I had to walk back what I was promising 
again and again and again. And like I said, I have people that still are with me from that very beginning. I still have people that were with me when I was doing the thing on Celeband before Celeband collapsed and took everyone's money. Um, so like, like I, I have some very dedicated fans who've been through that process. You would be much better off, much better served, not having to go through the apologizing and walking back the menu. So what I suggest to people is I, I say, start a, like a grid. And just start with, these are things that I think would be worth money as though I was selling it at a merch table at a, a concert. Uh, for musicians, uh, like, you know, in, in the case of, of this show, this audience, for musicians and producers, the most obvious product is singles. You know, new tracks. Uh, whether that's, you know, radio versions or, you know, uh, you know full, full tracks, you know, full extended mixes, whatever you want to call it. Remixes. Yeah, exactly. Legs. <clears throat> Um, oh yeah, the other thing I, I, I uh, promised, backing up a little bit, was uh, one live recording every month, which means on mm. top of that schedule, I had to book and perform and record Jesus. and engineer a live recording as well. That's a lot. Yeah, and at the oh, time, my. I was I was flying to a convention at least once a month, so I got live recordings, but then I were had you to full engineering were that you stuff. Fu- were you a full-time artist? I've been a full-time artist since 2007. Okay. So, um... Uh, I've been a professional artist since 1999. Try not to <laughs> try not to do the math on how fucking old I am. But um, yeah, I've been I've been a, a full time artist scraping by since 2007. So like, I I don't have a day job funding this, and I also don't have a day job sucking time away from this. And I still was burning out uh, on, on on that kind of an offer. So, um, uh, uh yeah. So, uh, start a grid. And create a menu of deliverables, things that you think you can deliver on a regular basis. And it doesn't have to be monthly. It can be, like, you do have to have some monthly things because the the basic uh, uh, subscription point is a monthly subscription. So you have to be able to deliver something monthly that is worth whatever tier you're going to be charging. But um, the, the goodies now through Patreon, you can have something sent out automatically just by uploading a design and picking which products and go to which tiers, uh, sending something out quarterly, and they just do it for you. It's great. Um, that automated stuff. I mean, it's yeah. a pretty simple one, too, is if you have a controller, if you have a DJ controller, you can do, I'm sure many of you can strum up a, a mix, you know, an hour-long mix once a month. That should be... That should be fairly easy to do. Yeah. One, there's one caveat to that. If you're not mixing all your own tracks, I wouldn't oh, do that yeah, on I Patreon because then yeah, you're selling other copyright. people's songs. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. a big no-no. I use the mixes as, and that's another uh, thing to, to bear in mind. Um, uh, I had been, all this time that I was focusing on creating stuff for my subscribers, I also have to create stuff for my non-subscribers because something has to bring them in in the first place. So all these exclusive Gotta tracks. Got to have a lead magnet. Yeah. So these days what I do is I'm using my streaming shows uh, and I do this three days a week. I do three streaming shows a week. Trance, Deep House, and Progressive House. They all have their own shows. Um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday uh, at avianinvasion.com slash live if you want to check that out. But uh, I do a streaming show three days a week, and that is free. You know, like that, that, that's a mix that goes out once a month, uh, or once a month, once a week, 
depending on what genre you're following, or if you're following all of it, you get three new mixes from me every single week. That's huge. Right. It's and that's it, actually a better lead magnet. Now that you mention it, doing yeah. a live show like that—that's yeah. That's and it's not better hard. served. For, no, and it's better served for a free audience. Yeah, if you're if you're a club DJ, like you should be used to showing up with a thumb drive with no set list and just fucking around. And if you're not better yet, if you want to be a club yeah. DJ, this is your practice. No, well, this that's is your that's how I got into it. Um, yeah. I've been streaming uh, piano rock concerts since 2007. Uh, when Brad Hunstable started up a thing called Ustream. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is back during the podcast boom days. So, like, I, I've been live streaming in, you know, like, internet radio and Second Life and video streaming since 2007. Um, and so it was natural for me to just, like, I, I don't know what I'm doing with DJing at all. Like, I, I, I want to jump into this genre making electronic music, but I have to understand how this electronic music is going to be used so I better learn to DJ. And so I practiced by doing streams. You know, I called it live from the crate before I realized I need to make three shows, one for each genre. Um, and you can see behind me that the, the, the background, you know, my, my live set behind me with the lights and all that. Um, but uh, uh, like that, that is a good way to get practice because a, a streaming audience is going to be a lot more forgiving than if you're at a festival or at a club. You know, <laughs> if you, you fuck up a mix live on stream, you can go, hey, sorry, guys, let me get this fixed here. And your people will love you for it. If you fuck up in a club, uh, the club owner is going to be pissed. And no the, shit. you're lucky if the people on the dance floor uh, just look at you and go, <laughs> fucking amateur. Or if they, right. they're kind and look at you and go, woo, you fucked up. You go, I yeah. fucked up, and then start a new track as fast as you can. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, the live stream audience is a lot more forgiving. Oh, yeah. And they're, they are some, they like that raw insider look, too. Yeah. It's, a, it's more of a unique take on you as a person. Um, and they they get a they get a more personalized experience. Yeah. But that's not the case in a club setting. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's at where you're, 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 you're in the office at work in a club. Oh, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I love yeah. my office, but it is definitely a higher bar to meet when you're in front yeah. of a meat-based audience. Yeah. Um, so what, what this, uh, coming back to the Patreon stuff, uh, you, you, on top of all the stuff you're doing behind the paywall, you have to have that, that, uh, that sizzle that brings people into the steakhouse. You have to be doing, releasing something that gets people to that paywall and convinces mm-hmm. them that it's worth paying for in the first place. And so if you try to promise too much and you overspend your time working on stuff behind the paywall. Overpromise, underdeliver. Exactly. You're not going to be able to create anything. Um, I used to have these, the songs that I was making, uh, I used to release them exclusively to my subscribers. And now the arrangement is uh, the songs that I produce are going to be exclusive for a limited time. And ah, that's it's, a good idea. it's usually like upwards of a year later that they, that they go public. And a lot of times, and and here's here's where something like Patreon comes in really handy as a producer. I'll release something to my fans, like I release works in progress, you know, uh, IDs, whatever you call them, as I'm as I'm creating the tracks. But then I release the the Officers Club version to them, and I get feedback from them. And like, you know, it would have been. I, I was kind of hoping like this build would have been better. Like it takes way too long to actually get into the track. Like that's feedback. I can fuck with that later when I release it publicly and send it to Spotify and whatnot. I get feedback from the people who care about my material 
the most before sending it to people who have never heard of me before. So it's like it's one part subscribers, one part fan club, one part board of, you know, uh, board of executives, you know. Uh, board of Directors is what I'm looking for. Helping you shape your vision, too. Yeah, like, I've always looked at my my subscribers as the pirate crew. And I'm the pirate <laughs> captain. And I mean that. Yeah. Um, you look up, you know, like, how pirate ships actually worked. It's 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 not like the ca- what the captain says goes. Pirates, uh, at least according to David Cordingley's books and whatnot, like, the research I've, I've done, because I've been fascinated by pirates before Disney ruined that. Um, <laughs> it's It's pure democracy. And everybody on that ship has a vote. Everybody on that ship has a say. The captain makes the final decisions during battle, but that's about it. Like the, so, uh, uh, listening to your hardcore pirate crew will make you a better producer as well. Yeah, because these people are invested in your art. Uh, uh, they're more your than customers. The, well, th- th- they're not just your customers. They are, like you said, like Kevin Kelly said, super fans. Yeah, they mm-hmm. are. They are the people who care more than your average Spotify listener. So, oh, they care infinitely more yeah. than your average Spotify listener. So back to the um the grid. So, uh come up with a menu of things that you can you can offer on a regular basis, and that can be, you know, single releases, uh uh stems cuz some of your fans are producers or might want to dabble or might just, you know, have a good idea of a mashup or something. Uh so stems for the songs you're making. You could have an entire producer tier as well, mm-hmm. specifically for producers where you are releasing, maybe you're doing tutorial videos or you're doing one-on-one coaching stuff or yeah. coaching or whatever it is that you're doing specifically for those producers and DJs that are following you. And then you have, you know, like you said, you have different tiers for just fans. Yeah. Um, other things are uh, uh, anything that that makes it a more personal involvement like uh, hangouts and events, you know, uh, exclusive after parties or exclusive perks at after parties. One of the things that I discovered, like, um, because uh, a lot of my fan base was generated online rather than doing it in, in clubs and, you know, open mic nights and whatever, you know, doing the real uh, uh, roadwork touring, because a lot of my fan base was generated online they would show up at conventions, but if I went to a city, there'd only be like five people who'd ever heard of me before. So doing some kind of an after party doesn't make sense to do an exclusive after party with five people. That's kind of a, you know, a shitty party. You do an open invite party and have some kind of VIP perk for them at that party. And here's the kicker there. Those people who are your, your Patreon subscribers are now mingling with people who might have just heard of you. Like these people who are your evangelists are now mingling with people who have just gotten into your music. Like, that's a mixture, because it's not you telling them how good you are, it's somebody else telling them how good you are. Like That word th- of mouth. Right, and that's, you know, in that intimate environment, it's, a, it's, uh, it's, it's very effective at helping to spread the word. Have you read Contagious, Why Things Catch On? No. Uh, okay, I've read Predictably gonna... Irrational, but, uh, which is another I'm... good one. I'm going to I'm going to send you a link to this book. It okay. is I really don't want to read anything called Contagious right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is great. It's why and ironically, it's it's all about why content goes viral. Why, you know, why what is what makes things what makes a piece of content go viral? Why do people give a shit about it? 
it is, I think it's probably going to be a really good resource for you, especially because you're, I mean, you're, you're business minded. You're in the sense of marketing and trying to find those things that are going to help you succeed, especially when it comes to like your Patreon stuff. Um, the book is, it's so fantastic. It's one of the best books I think for producers to read because I've, I've mentioned it. The, shit. It's probably like the third time or fourth time I mentioned it just on this episode, but talking about social currency and all about a Patreon group is creating the secret group that other people are a part of, are a part of. And what you're talking about, if you have these evangelic evangelists, evangelion, at, we're, we're going into <laughs> a deep dive into the anime stacks now. Um, if you have these uh, evangelists in your at this party, walking around telling other people who just found out who you are. That's this word of mouth uh, marketing that's working in your favor. It's, you know, it's there. Those people, those super fans, they want to tell other people about you because they're a part of this group that they're proud of, that they love. And they, they think other people are going to like they they want other people to think that they're unique and they're likable. And one of the best ways to do that is if they're a part of a secret group that they can tell other people. Look at how cool I am. I'm in this other cool group. You should come join us and be a part of this cool group because if you do, then maybe you'll like me more. It's it's it it plays into psychology. It's the entire it's the entire self-righteous concept of the hipster. Like I was into something yes, before you yes, were. Exactly. Exactly. And so what it's like in contagious, it's it's like one of the very first chapters talking about social currency and it's all about what you're talking about here and why things like a Patreon work and can catch on to. Yeah, yeah. But the party thing, yes, you are 100% right. Having word of mouth right there with people who just found out who you are, they are infinitely more likely to immediately download, you know, go on to Patreon and subscribe to your Patreon right away if other people are like, yeah, you should join. He does this, this, and that. Yeah, throw throw the after party and have, you know, business cards with the info on it, like, ready to go. Um, uh, like I said, I also do a, a beer bash, like, a, a, an annual thing where any of your fans that can gather in one place, or sorry, any of your subscribers that can gather in one place and is closed to the general public is also cool. You know, th that's kind of fun. Um, the, the way we did it was, you know, we would have kegs of my beer. Well, I should say our beer. I don't make it alone, you know, but, but the, like our, our homebrew. And that was, you know, what was being uh, uh, served at the party. It was always fun. Um, uh, but so at this point, let, let's say you, you've come up with some things that, that you can think of. There's, there's articles and videos on what you can offer left and right, but th that's just some ideas. The, the, the idea is to write it out like a menu. So that's column one. Like, this is the shit that I can deliver on a regular basis. Uh, and be creative with that, but, but understand that. Uh, uh, understand that this is your product line for Patreon now. Your next column is what each of those will realistically cost in time and money. And time, of course, is the important one. But money, if you're if you're doing, you know, uh, fortunately, things like shirts and whatnot, Patreon now takes that cut out of your your Patreon income, so you're not having to budget beforehand. They just take it out of your account, basically, as people subscribe, which is super handy. It means like you get less of a Patreon payout some months, but uh, you can you can budget for that and figure it out. And they make it so so easy now. Like I've been th th that was. 
that was a godsend for me. But um, there are some some things that that do cost money uh, for you to offer. If you're offering some kind of exclusive access uh, uh, on a, a website that you know you need to pay to be a pro user of, uh, that's you know you need to budget for that kind of stuff. If you're if you're sending out physical goods to people on your own, that costs money. Write all this down. Figure out what it's gonna what it's gonna take to make each of those things happen. And it's okay if it's an inordinate amount of time. That then informs like the next column. How often will you promise to deliver this? Um, like one new song a month. Uh, is is pretty respectable, pretty reasonable if you can actually pull that off. I wouldn't go for two unless you are like Bob Dylan or Ryan Adams and like somebody bumps into you and three songs fall out of you. Like, you know, like there are people like that and they're aliens and I need to find out where their home planet is. But, um, uh, uh, you know, you still have to produce stuff for non-patrons. I can't stress that enough during this process. So whatever you're promising, uh, you have to make sure you still have time and money and resources and creativity left over to do something for the, the non-patron people. Um, so at this point you have your menu of items, you have what you think it will cost you in time and money. And there, that then informs how frequently, you know, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, uh, I wouldn't do anything more than uh, longer, longer project than once a year, you know, like the, the annual goodie bags I used to do and the annual beer bash are pretty much the only things I did on an annual basis, but you could do some sort of like an exclusive concert, you know, rent out a club for your, you know, free admission for your subscribers only. If you've got that kind of scratch, you know, like you can rent a, a decent downtown club here in Seattle for 500 bucks on a weekend. Like you, it's not that hard to make something like that happen. My advice, and I guarantee you nobody follows this. I wish I had followed this. Do it privately for a year. Set your schedule, set your production schedule up, like how you think you're going to do your Patreon. Uh, do it privately for a year. Set some goal one year from now of a big project. And when I do these these sessions at conventions, like there's... Uh, uh, writers, there's podcasters, there's costume creators, you know, there's uh, graphic artists in the room. Since this audience is entirely, you know, music producers, that big project should be patently obvious. Fill An album? The- Thank you. Yes, I was going to say. All right. Thank God. Yeah. I was just talking about this the other, like, <laughs> I think, was it last episode or the episode before? Oh, the episode before. I was just talking about albums versus singles. Yeah. Um, and had like the, the value, not enough people write albums anymore. Yeah. Not enough EDM producers write albums. And I think it's, I think it might be coming back. There's some more, you know, one of my favorite producers are Cosmic Gate. They oh yeah. Om- they write, God damn, their fucking trance is so fucking good. <laughs> and their albums or their start to feel album was so good. It's just, they write amazing albums and there's uh, there's something to be, to be said about an album and I, I i said this in the episode i can tell you and rant in a positive way about more albums than i could ever name singles there are 
there are more albums that have moved me than singles. Aside aside from the emotional value uh, of an album, um, uh, one th- like w- one thing that if you're if you can use Patreon to uh, uh, help facilitate a long format project by releasing releasing singles and whatnot only to your Patreon people, but like doing it as uh, I'm working on an album. I'm going to release things for this album to you guys, and I'm not going to release it to the public until it's an album. Uh, so what what I was suggesting with uh, uh, doing it privately, not actually starting with something like Patreon yet, uh, create an album at in one year time, uh, you know, like 10 to 12 songs, whatever. That's basically one song a month. Well, do what you think you can do for Patreon without charging people money for it for a full year. That will tell you whether or not you can maintain that schedule. In that year, you might get the flu. You might have a death in the family. You might have some kind of an interruption that life throws at you when you're not scheduling things uh, that will will teach you what you can and cannot do. You might actually find like, hey, I can actually promise more than this. Yeah, um, or you can't, and then you've, if you can't do it, then you haven't overpromised. Right, You've you save. No one. You can. You save you having can, to eat shit and backtrack while yes, while people are can, paying for it. You can pull back. That's amazing advice. So don't you know? Come up with the the content ideas for the Patreon. Start working on it for an entire year and see if you can keep up with that. And if you don't release any of that. When you do start your Patreon, you now have content you can immediately start with right. as well. So I was I was getting to that. Let me finish. I was getting to, <laughs> <laughs> I was getting to that. Um, so at the end of the year, now you have a big project that you can you can immediately dump that onto Kickstarter to make that even better. Uh, and tell people like like I've done two album releases via Kickstarter before, and I'm assuming most people here are familiar with you know Kickstarter and Rocket Hub and stuff like that. Um, uh, I, I never went to Kickstarter without having the product done. Uh, I always went to Kickstarter with the product, uh, trying to make the product better. I have an album I recorded and engineered myself. If we raise this much, I can hire a real drummer and a real guitarist to replace my fake keyboard parts. If we raise this much, I can take it to a real studio and have them do it on their equipment with their engineer. If we raise this much... I can send it to a real mastering engineer instead of doing all this shit myself. You know, like, basically doing it that way, but no matter what, the product is ready. At the end of a year of doing your Patreon thing, you now have an album that you can take and, like, do a Kickstarter to, say, let's go for a vinyl release. You know, because vinyl's still expensive, you know. Uh, I think CD Baby or Disc Makers or whatever can handle vinyl now, but um, you can you can, you can can shop around for vinyl. Um, but at the end of that year, you now have a product, a big cohesive product, and all the perks for a Kickstarter campaign are already there. Uh, you have you have videos like you know in progress videos that you would have been releasing to your subscribers every month or every week or whatever that you can then you know package together uh, with with this final release. You have shirts and whatnot that are are made and ready to go. Uh, you have. Uh, all the 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 remixes and and stems and uh, uh, you know all, all these little things that you would be handing out as perks on a regular basis, you can now say, "Here's the high tier package for for Kickstarter. Use the Kickstarter funds 
to basically like hire a publicist or something to then make that album go even bigger. And then for all those people that back you on Kickstarter, all the people that buy the, buy the album, you can say, Hey, by the way, I do this every month. Come join me on Patreon. And it's a good way to start, you know, with a, a good foot forward, uh, saying like, not just, you know, trust me, I'm going to make a good product. Here's the product. No shit. You can do this every single, you can, you can get pieces of this every single month. I'm going to start working on a new album right now. You can, you can come along for the ride. Wow, dude, you, this is blowing my mind because you've set such a good roadmap for making yourself a successful musician and creator, not just through Patreon, but Kickstarter as well. But how to like, how to, I am, my mind is so fucking blown. I'm <laughs> so watching, ex- on a Zoom call here. just Dude. I know. I'm so excited we're having this conversation and other people get to check it out because everything you're saying is you, I mean, you're teaching, you're teaching everyone that's listening how to successfully release an entire album. How do, I mean, ultimately, it's hard to fail at this, at what you're talking about, because if you, you're, you're not allowing yourself to over promise and under deliver, you're allowing yourself to create the product, come up with the ideas, spend an entire year coming up with the things that you're going to create, slowly build on to that. And then you can pretty much show the final product and be like, this is what the product is. Do you want to make it better? Because we could make it even better if you want. And all you have to do is pay for this. And people go, hell yeah, they pay for it. They get the an even better product that they're wanting, that they're extremely happy with. And then you can say, hey, we do this over at Patreon every month. You could see the entire process. You know, you can see how the sausage is made as well through the entire thing, which another great book, Show Your Work by Austin Kleon. I got, have you read that? On one of these shelves in this studio right now, I have that and Steal Like an Artist. Yes, dude. Yeah. Steal Like an Artist is fantastic. Oh, yeah. One of the best books. Show Your Work is amazing as well, um, which he kind, he talks about that, about how people want to see that process. They want to see, they want to see your wins. They want to see your losses. I, I was just going to say. That's an important deliverable uh, to Patreon that you don't then roll into the final product. Failure. Yeah. Show your failures. I have yep. failed. I've made, I've sent so many uh, uh, in progress songs to my subscribers that have never actually coalesced into a finished mm-hmm. single just because it just, it felt forced. You know, mm-hmm. like song songs are like farts. If you really have to force it, it's probably <laughs> shit. Um, <laughs> I don't. I can't remember where I stole that from, but you know, Dude. it's a philosophy that I have to live by sometimes. Uh, and yes, Holy that's a, another bird joke. I guess there's a lot of poop jokes in the bird world. Um, oh my god, that's hilarious. But yeah, like they, they like th- these people who are are signing up to pay you money every month out of their hard earned cash. Like, they deserve to see you fail. And the, and if you have the presence of mind to explain what you learned from it or why you failed, that makes it even better. But that's a product. You couldn't you couldn't sell a half-assed track as a track. Nobody would pay money for a half-assed track. Um, uh, but you you know, like your your failures are as much a product to the people that are invested in the process as your successes are. And that's, that's something that you can, you can throw in there. You can't really plan like, I'm going to post one failure a month, but it is something, it's a way to, to cut your losses, basically. Instead of, I wasted all this time on this thing that I don't think is ever going to see the light of day, at the very least, 
it's content that you can deliver to your patrons i love that damn dude you i mean the amount of knowledge you just fucking dropped was unreal (laughs) that I should be a lot more successful than I am. I don't know why. Well, I, I don't get this. You know, but, you it's know. every artist is different. <laughs> Everyone's journey is different. And I mean, shit, you've only been at this artist uh, for three years. Three years. Yeah. I think 2017, right when I moved uh, from the Boston area to the Seattle area. Yeah. So. That's, I mean, that's not a lot of time. That's is a, a fraction of time. And I, you know, I always tell EDM producers like, when you're getting into electronic now, granted, you've been in the music industry for a while. Pretty much um, my whole life. Yeah. yeah. You you're in a different position, though. You're in a position where you can see success a lot faster. I tell new producers who have never touched a DAW ever or really been involved with music. I tell them if you're getting into this and you want to be a full time producer, you better plan a minimum 10 years being involved grinding for 10 years. If you can accept that then there's a potential that you could, you know, that might be shorter than normal, or you're going to hit that 10 year mark and you're going to see those big, long strides being taken. And all of a sudden you're going to start seeing some success. So for you, it could be, you've got two more years before you see, you know, really great success. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Well, you're, <laughs> I hope you're, so. <laughs> you're making the right moves. You are making with everything you just said, you're making the right moves and more people should be paying attention to you and listening to you uh, because you, you have the blueprint for success. And, you know, a lot of people and I would even argue you've already hit that success if you're doing it full time. That is nice. You don't have a boss necessarily. You don't have to go into the office at a specific time but i'm sure you have your business hours i could be wearing no pants right now you have no way of knowing you exactly. have absolutely no idea exactly i mean there's there's a much better there's a there's a lot less stress when you don't have to deal with that bullshit you can do whatever you want the bullshit you know? of pants what are the we where, of what pants. are we yeah Fuck which is also an austin austin cleon uh novel uh, <laughs> <laughs> the bullshit of pants <laughs> oh my god but you were going to say something, though. Uh, yeah, you, the, the train of thought has derailed at this point. Um, uh, it was. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Uh, like I said earlier about how uh, once once you get those people to subscribe, uh, the trick then is to keep them happy. Um, what you were saying with like the blueprint of success and all that at the end of the day, and this is important and this always has to be uh, the forefront of your mind. You have to be making a good product even if you have your branding together your deliverables and all that like that'll that'll make a mediocre uh, mediocre product uh sellable uh see also marshmallow but um like you will you you need to actually create a compelling product at the end of the day and if you're not using this to facilitate that then you shouldn't get involved in in something like patreon because then you're just going to be serially disappointing people yeah Uh, you and this is something i talk about actually shit what was the last episode i did i'm trying to think i'm i can't believe i'm blanking on it well while you're blanking um uh somebody told me like your marketing gets you the job your marketing gets people to listen to you but your music has to be what keeps them there yeah the last episode was about remixes and how remixes can be like a crucial part of your marketing tool. It could be a lead magnet to get people on your email marketing list or whatever it is. If 
you know, maybe maybe remixes are a part of your your Patreon, one of your Patreon tiers, and you use just one single remix, an old remix that you have as a lead magnet. Um, and I tell people, you know, it, remixes are another opportunity for you to send tracks to a promo list of bigger artists. Find their emails, send them those tracks, especially the original artists. You can also send the remix to the original record label that released it. Uh, but you never want to send that out, especially to the original artists or especially to the labels, if it's a shittier version of their song. Yeah, right. They don't want to fucking hear that. <laughs> The remix yeah. or the bootleg, it has to be better than the original. If it's not better than the original, don't fucking even and by that. I mean, you there, there better be a lot of people that are really excited about it when you show them a snippet of it or it better stand up next to the track. It just yeah. needs to be good at just as good as the original or better. Otherwise, don't even put it anywhere because you don't you don't want big named people to just so happened to get that email and actually open it up and actually listen to it and actually and read your crap. name and then it's a shitty track and yeah. then they just they mark it as spam and then you are never seen in their inbox ever again even if yeah. later on down the road you have something incredible for them you just burn bridges it's the same thing with you know you, your product needs to be good if your product's yeah. not good then you need to do more work which also means you need to surround yourself with people who will tell you when something is shit. Yes. Um, your Patreon, your highest tier people, the people who are paying you the most, may or may not be those kind of people. Mm -hmm. They may be so enamored with you that everything you release is gold. And you kind of want that, but at the same time, you need to have somebody you can turn to and say, you know, help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, is, mm -hmm. this, is this good? Is this, am I going in the right direction? Um, yeah, you don't need a bunch yeah. of yes men, but you oh, yeah. do, you know, some yes men are nice. Uh, when you're down, they can help that ego a little bit, but you don't want to build that ego up too much. You want people who you trust uh, that, you know, give a shit about you and care about you that are willing to say, hey, this sucks. You know, this could be in a, in a nice way, though. And, you know, obviously you want them to be you constructive. Know, give, yes, constructive. You want some feedback. You want them to tell you how you can improve and make things better. Uh, but you, you have to have some people there that can, that can give you that good advice that can guide you down the right path. Otherwise, otherwise, yeah, you're kind of, you, you never know. You could be putting out a shitty product thinking it's great, but, uh, yeah. it's, you're not getting the right people that you want involved in your Patreon or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I see on your outline here, uh, you you had, uh, do you see Patreon as being a viable future for yeah. EDM producers? And part of that is very relevant to uh, to what you're talking about here. Um, given that, you know, like, like I, I, I'm fond of uh, uh, the duo uh, Eleven. You know, I think they, I've heard of them. Uh, they usually do like deep house kind of stuff. They do okay. some trance stuff. Um, uh, I think they've, they've done some stuff on Anjuna. How do you spell uh, their name? Uh, uh, 11 Is with it, two V's. Okay. And, uh, they're very, very cool, very down to earth guys. And like I said, like they've, they've released on Anjuna beats and they don't, they don't make money from their tracks. You know, like you're, you're not going to, you know, just, just because you, you got like, I've been, I've had tracks signed to, uh, uh, a bunch of indie labels and, uh, uh, like I, I'm happy when I see a royalty come in. Like, it's not like I'm, I'm making the bulk of my money from that. The bulk of my money does come from Patreon. 
So what you're talking about uh, is an emotional connection. You are the, the viable future for EDM producers. As much as I am uh, part man, part bird, part robot when I'm on stage, what you have to sell in order to survive is your humanity. You have to have that human connection with that subset of fans who will follow you on Patreon. And the humanity is what will keep you in business. If you are like people, people will pirate music, but they'll support a person. And so you have to be that human being as much as I want to believe my own hype and believe that I'm some space bird bringing hope and light to the universe. You know, like I, that's, that's great and all. And I can jerk off to that, you know, in my, my marketing <laughs> bedroom all I want. But the, the fact of the matter is I have to be an approachable person, uh, to these fans. And that's what they want to support. They want to support me. They like the music. That's what brought them to me. But they are in it for uh, my success. They're living vicariously. Uh, I, I would recommend people watch the movie Rockstar with uh, Marky Mark Wahlberg. Um, which, like, it's an okay movie, but it's one of those... There, there's a scene where um, so Mark Wahlberg's character uh, replaces... Uh, an eighties heavy metal band frontman. Like the frontman is kicked out of the band and they search for, for just some dude who can play the part. And he, you know, he goes from just being like a tribute band frontman to, Oh my God, I'm the frontman for steel dragon now playing to sold out arenas. It's a really cool movie for into like the eighties heavy metal scene. But, uh, there's a moment where the road manager explains to him, uh, your job, you know, like, like, yeah, the, the girls all want you, but the guys are the ones that buy the albums. This is 80s heavy metal. So you need to be the guy that they want to be. They need to be able to live vicariously through you. It's a little superficial, but at the same time... There's truth uh, to that. Yeah, your, your super fans, the ones that are going to support you on Patreon, they're trying to live vicariously through you a little bit. So be that person that they uh, they they would like to be you know they be that that to be yeah be that that dead mouse or that res you know or or whatever you know like be be that uh, that icon uh who actually interacts with them on a real basis yeah you know mm-hmm. this the humanity will save us yeah one hundred percent i yeah i agree with that it's you know you're serving your super fans in a way that they can they can f- they support you, like you said, because they want to see you succeed and they they want they want a connection. You know, they, they want a connection to someone or something that might be bigger than themselves. Um, and they can appreciate that and respect that. And they want to see that succeed. Uh, and, you know, like you said, these huge producers releasing on huge record labels, you know, it might be nice to see that it might be nice to see those hundred thousand streams or whatever, but it's not where their money's being made. Um, a good majority of the time, those, those bigger producers probably have an agent or a manager who can help, you know, get them road gigs and shows where they're probably making a bulk of their money. Um, and that is even so hard to get now that you do have to focus on these things that can like Patreon that can actually get you an income that can actually, you learn a very valuable skill when trying to run a business and that's running a business, how to market, how 
you know, how to budget, how to finance, how to do these things that can apply to your own personal life. Um, but that'll also give you real life skills that if this doesn't work out, there may be another field that you really enjoy that you, you know, you might have learned a skill from that or just the simple fact that one day you will have built up enough skill to be able to quit your job because you might not be making six figures a year. You know, that might be the goal, but you've at least made enough money with your music that you can quit your job, go at it full time and start to get the ball rolling even more and see more success later on. Because now all of your attention is focused on how can I make this product better and better for my super fans? And how can I get more of those super fans? Yeah, I mean, the, there's there's nothing noble about being a starving artist. The nobility is in the art, yeah. not the starving. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. like there you there you should never be ashamed to, uh, to to you know market to learn about you know advertising and stuff like that. Uh, I you know, like hire a publicist. Hire you know if you if you can afford to delegate the tasks that you're not good at or that you just don't have much of a stomach for. I hate marketing. I hate advertising. I would much rather have somebody else do that shit for me. Um, you know, I'm at peace when I'm building my website. You know, scripting some robots or actually working on the thumping noises here in my little padded cell. You know, like that's I would much rather delegate to other people. But like you you. You need to treat it like it's a business or you will not be in business long. And the goal should be, yeah, like you said, there's, you know, fuck being a starving artist because it's not fun. (laughs) It's, you know, being a starving artist is not a good time. And the goal should be to get out of that. You know, you want enough, you want to be able to pay your bills, feed yourself and still have some money to have fun, dude. Like Mm. that should be the, the ultimate goal is to be successful and you know, whatever that success means to you, it might for me, and I've talked about this on the podcast, I I've recently realized this within the past year or two is I want my business to be successful so that when I have kids, I can be at home with them and I can yeah. I can spend time with them and I don't have I'm not at work all the fucking time. I'm not tied down by a job. I want to be able to raise my damn kids and see them and I personally want to homeschool them and help out with that sort of stuff. So that's my success story is Hmm. if I can get there, I will be. That's all I want. That's all I give a shit about. Um, For other people, it's completely different. And uh, but, you know. The the starving artist thing is really interesting because so many people are like, I don't give a shit. I'll eat cup of noodles every single day for three or four years. And it's like it's. Not fun. If I mean, yeah. you want to talk about depression, that's that goes into really deep, dark, depressive states that can railroad you more than anything. Uh, you that's, really go on. Uh, I was gonna say that's part of the reason I moved from piano rock into uh, dance music is I just felt like my career was stuck in neutral and I needed a change. Uh, and part of that was getting back to my original impetus for making music my career, which is the marriage of art and technology. And nothing expresses that more than dance music, you know, like it's, it's, it's absolutely, uh, uh, I, I needed to, to, uh, feed myself artistically. Um, but yeah, the, the feeling like your, your career is like at, at first having like a little initial success is a big rush, but if it doesn't build, if it, if your business doesn't actually grow enough to be sustainable at that point, then it's just a drag Yeah, and it can suck. Here's the shitty part. It can suck away your creativity. Yes. 
and that sucks. I know people who are, I know I, that's uh, the kill shot. Yeah. Like I have a good friend who should be a five-star chef and we've told him like, you should, you should do a career change because you could run a restaurant beautifully. He's like, no, I want to enjoy cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. I can level with that. Mm Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons I, I used to be a cook. I, I cooked for years and years and years. I don't cook anymore because I hated it because I hated working in the kitchen. And I st- and my, my girlfriend does all the cooking now and I do all of the cleaning and it kind of plays that way. But she's loves it. She's amazing at it. I let her deal with that because if I do it, I get frustrated. I hate it <laughs> and I get really upset and it's not fun. It just sucks. So I don't want to oh, do man. that. But it's the same thing, you know, within your own business, within Find the shit you hate, you suck at, that you can delegate or delegate it. Delegate it, and then you don't have to worry about that. You get a great product. It's worth your time and money, and now you can focus on better and bigger things, things that you give a shit about. So Right, and that's that's where Patreon can really help you, mm-hmm. even as a, an EDM producer. Even if, if all you're doing is making beats, you're not even releasing singles. Like That's still a product, but uh, you can delegate a whole lot of... Uh, 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 you know, the, the, the transactional stuff to a service like Patreon. Mm-hmm. And that gives you more time back in your day to sit in your padded room, making thumping noises, yep. you know, or wherever, whatever your studio happens to be. Um, so yeah, like, like that's Patreon is absolutely a viable future. And I should say Patreon or something like it. Like yeah. if there's a better product, um, never underestimate the power of a site where the traffic already exists. Mm-hmm. You know, people have people have tried to uh, snipe me from from Patreon. Uh, you know, hey, check out this other subscription service we're setting up just for musicians, and like nobody's shopping around for people there. Exactly. My videos have to be on YouTube. I don't care what their policies are. People are looking it's, on YouTube. Yeah. They have to be on Spotify because people are looking on Spotify. It, it, yeah, it's it, talk about. Um, there's another book called Twenty Two Immutable Laws of Marketing, and one of them is about. If it's technically like if you're not first, you're last. It yeah. doesn't matter if 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 there was one company, let's take Patreon, for instance, and there's a second company that might be a better service. They might deliver a better product. Patreon is always going to beat them because they were first. They were they're the brand name of it now. You know, they are of that service. It's Patreon now. People are going to reference the second business. By calling it Patreon. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's, it's like Googling things. It's like, yeah. you can search stuff on DuckDuckGo all day, but you'll probably tell someone to go Google it. Yeah. It's, it's a verb now. That's what you do. When you search things, you Google them. Regardless the barrier... of... Go for it. Sorry. I was going to say, regardless of your search engine, you're, you're just go Google it. Like that's. Yeah, the... The barrier to being first is a boulder. The barrier to being better than that first person is a mountain. Yes. I, you can be better, but yeah. Like it's, it's, it, it is a massive uphill climb that you probably won't get over. It's just yeah, you're, right. you know, Pepsi's always going to be second to Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is always here in the South. I'm in Texas here and everything is Coke. Every yeah. soda is Coke. Yeah. It's even if you're drinking. I remember Sprite, that from my Nashville it. days. That was weird. You'll get you'll ask for a Pepsi and they'll go, OK, you want a Coke? And you're like, wait, no. And they're going to give you a Pepsi, but it's called Coke. Like, yeah. it's just that's what it is. So, <laughs> it, yeah. Um. Anyways, Matthew, do you have anything you'd like to plug while we finish up here? Dude, this was an amazing conversation. Oh, thank this you. couldn't have gone better. I'm so happy I had you on. 
I'll probably I mean, obviously, bring you on again. But oh, please, cool, yeah, sure. Yeah, plug your stuff away. Uh, I mean, obviously, I should be plugging, you know, avianinvasion.com slash Patreon. Um, but, uh, uh, and we can, we can do a whole show about, uh, uh, using redirects instead of just sending people to patreon.com <laughs> Yeah. But that's, that's a boy. That's a, You talked about my website. We should have a, a whole conversation about that kind of shit later. I do. We should actually, I'm, that would right. be, you're a perfect guest for that. Let's, well, let's plan for it. Well, if, if people are bored in the meantime, uh, head to avianinvasion.com. Uh, I stream three days a week. Uh, Progressive House on Mondays, Trance on Wednesdays, and The Early Bird Breakfast, a deep house set every Friday morning. Hell yeah. Uh, which is not really morning so much on the East Coast, but whatever. <laughs> I get up as early as my musician ass can get out of bed uh, <laughs> on a Friday morning. Um, but yeah, head to, head to avianinvasion.com and feel free to drop me a line. I am a human being underneath all the, uh, the, the robotics and I would be happy to hear from you. Sweet. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'll have all the links that we talked about in this episode at nbsaudio.com slash 49, uh, or sorry, nbsaudio.com slash episode 49. So you guys can, I'll have all the links there too, for them to check it out. But Matthew, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time and I'll talk to you soon, man. Hey, it's been fun. All right, take care. Thanks for checking out this episode of Electronic Dance Money. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. This was a really, really awesome conversation with Matthew. So happy that I was able to have it with him. Head to enviousaudio.com slash episode 49 to check out all of the show notes. Check out the Electronic Dance Money Facebook community. Just search Electronic Dance Money community rate and review the show at apple podcast if you guys enjoy it stay tuned for the next episode it is going to be an awesome one i'm so excited for it i've been waiting for uh this guest to come on for quite a while so uh i can't wait to showcase it to you guys and hopefully you enjoy it just as much as i do anyways take care and i'll see you guys next time